Mark chapter 4. If you found it, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. Mark chapter 4. It's 20 verses. It's a full parable. It goes like this. Verses 1 and 2 is the introduction. tells us the context. Verses 3 through about 8. You have the parable itself. It's not very long. And then verses 9 through about 11 or so, 12, the disciples are asking Jesus about the parable. And then from 13 to 20, Jesus explains the parable. We're going to cover it all this morning. Mark chapter 4. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God. Let's go to verse 1. Mark chapter 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And yielded no grain. And other seeds fell onto the good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone with those around him, and the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path. They, where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. These are the ones sown on the rocky ground. They're the ones when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, bear fruit, Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Join me as we pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus and repeat his words that those that have ears hear. Father, I pray that today you would do what you've yet to do in the hearts of people who are like the hard path. God, I pray that you would do something where the seed of the gospel would drop in and germinate 
and bear fruit. Give us hearts that love Christ and help us now. Father, I pray that you minister to the hearts of your people and that you call those people that are not yours. Call them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How do you? How do you? How do you know if your heart is actually right with God? Such a subjective thing. What does it feel like? What does it actually look like if your heart is right with God? How does your, how does your life reflect it? How does something that is, that is so personal translate into a lifestyle that is so public? As the safe middle ground, of our decaying society, and we live in a culture that is decaying, you feel that around you, as the safe middle ground of our decaying society continues to erode, where do you find yourself standing? Inside or outside? We just came off of chapter, chapter 3 in Mark chapter 3. And in that chapter, Jesus was on the inside with people that were not naturally related to him. And he called them his family when those on the outside who were naturally related to him said we're not his family. You reach back all the way into the Bible, all the way through the, the books of the Old Testament. You get to Genesis chapter 6 and following. There you find the destructive flood that God sent as a judgment because of the wickedness of people. And he, he rolled across the waters of judgment and there were just, just a few on the inside of the ark that were saved. Inside and outside. That's a theme that runs through the whole Bible and runs all the way up through the Old Testament into the Gospels and, and finds itself in Mark chapter 4. Right here in the teaching of the Lord Jesus. And in Mark chapter 4, we come to the very first real parable in this gospel. And according to what Jesus says in verse 13, you can look at it if you want. In verse 13, Jesus says, this is a gateway parable. That is to say, if you don't get this one, you're not going to understand the rest of them. So if that's the case, let's back up. And talk about what is a parable. A parable. If you'd like to write things down, you might say it like this. A parable is a method of teaching that Jesus will use. A method of teaching that typically has one point. Typically has one point, And a parable uses the natural world to explain the supernatural, spiritual world. Even the word Parables, Greek word paraboles means to lay something beside another something. To take the natural, lay it beside the supernatural and say, it's like that. You see that? It's like that. In the parable that we have before us, it's a famous parable. The parable here has nothing to do with the sower, nothing to do with the seed, and everything to do with the soil. And the whole point of the whole story is driving quickly to the very end. 
The whole point of the whole story is that there is actually one soil that produces any fruit. Although, if you read it, we see, we see four different categories. You see the, the soil that is hard packed on the path. You see the shallow rocky soil. You see the thorns and you see the good soil. Although we see four different categories, they really are only two. There's one that doesn't produce fruit. It has varying degrees of failure, hard path, rocky soil, thorny soil. That's one category. And another category is the soil that actually does. It's the good soil that does produce fruit. And today as we go through this parable that Jesus has given us, I want you to actually see yourself in the parable, which of these soils best describes you? Because what Jesus is teaching here is that a heart, a heart of true faith produces lasting fruit. If there is true faith, there will be lasting fruit. Let's start slowly. And get into it as we go along. Here's the first thing I want you to see is that a fruitful heart, a fruitful heart is possible. It is possible for you to actually have a fruitful heart. Join me there in verses 1 and 2. You'll read it for yourself. Verse 1, Jesus is teaching again. He's standing there by the sea. It's the Sea of Galilee. So many people have gathered around in verse 1 that he can't speak in such a way that they hear. If you get out on the water, there's a natural amphitheater. So Jesus gets in a boat in verse 1, and the boat becomes his pulpit, and there he begins to preach or teach in verse 1. So many people are there. They've come because of his healings. They've come because of his miracles. Later on, he'll be feeding people. People have come there, but Jesus' primary ministry is not the miracles and the healings, his primary ministry is teaching. In verses 2 through 8, he teaches the parable. It's a short parable, and we'll get to it in just a little bit. But join me now in verse 9. In verse 9, after teaching the parable, in verse 9, he quotes Jeremiah 5 and Ezekiel 12. And this is what he says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear this. You know what that is? That is a call for, for spiritual discernment. That is you praying even as you sit there today. God, give me ears to hear. Help me to understand the gospel. Maybe even, God, help me to receive the gospel. You'll know that the teaching of Jesus is always attached to his atonement that gives us the gospel. When I say gospel, this is what I mean. God is a holy creator, the Bible says, who created all of us in his image. You have dignity because you have been created in the image of God. But that image of God in us is disfigured by our own sin. Sin is not just that we feel lonely. Sin is the crime against God. It's, it's something we do that is against his holy word. It's against the Bible. You don't have to live very long to know you're a sinner. That sin is not just taking you far away from God. The Bible teaches that we are dead in sin. It's a significant problem. A problem that brings about the condemnation of God. That is really bad 
news. But the word gospel means good news. What's well, good? Good news is that God is also love, loving and kind, and He gives us Jesus, Jesus who is fully God, fully man. He lived perfectly as a human being. That is to say, He, he did what you and I couldn't do, earning righteousness. He lived righteously. But that's not all He did. When He goes to the cross, that cross is there because it is an instrument of punishment. And when Jesus dies on the cross, what He does is take the punishment. Is God a, a vengeful, wrathful, judging God? Yes. But every bit of that falls on Jesus in our place. And the promise of the gospel is this. And I've prayed that God will give you ears to hear. Ears to hear. If you will turn from your sin and believe, the promise is you will become a child of God. And your life will produce fruit. A fruitful heart is possible for you. I've, been, I've prayed for you. I've, as I've gone through this passage this week and, and trying to figure out how to best explain it, thought about the congregation, thought of the people here, some that I know that will be here, not Christians. I've prayed that God would give you ears to hear. That Jesus will save you. Down in verse 10, the 12 disciples, they've heard this parable, and so they're asking Jesus about it, about the parable. And look at verse 11, filled with grace. Verse 11, notice what Jesus says to the disciples. <clears throat> he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Think of the 12 now. They're sitting there with Jesus. There's just them. They're alone with Jesus. And he tells them, You've been given the mystery that's been so hidden for so long, now Christ is here. The mystery, the previously hidden truth of God, is found in Christ. And the grace is God has given it to that 12 who will then pass it on all the way up to the modern day. The mystery. Not only that, notice verse 12, Jesus says this mystery is in a parable. It's in a parable. He's going to teach parables. Why? Those on the inside will get it. Those on the outside, it's judgment. The, the reason the parables are taught like they are, he even quotes Isaiah chapter 6 there in verse 12. Notice what he says. Here's the reason. So that they may indeed see and not perceive. They may indeed hear and not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And what this does is it casts light back on being on the inside. Let me see if I can say it like this. <clears throat> Let's say it how Paul said it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he said, the, the, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Well, now it's It's folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Folly on the outside, power of God on the inside. What is it then? What is it to you? You having a, a fruitful heart, it is possible, and it starts with you trusting Jesus in my place. Trusting the cross. A fruitful heart is Possible. But let's get to the parable itself. It starts in about verse 3. Let's start there with a point. Here's the second point. 
And that is that a hard heart is disheartening. A hard heart. You don't have to be mean to have a hard heart. A hard heart is disheartening. You see the parable in verses 3 and 4. Then you'll see Jesus' explanation over in verses 14 and 15. Let's read the parable first and then the explanation. Verse 3. Jesus says, listen, akuo, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured. And then he goes to verse 14. Show us what it means, Jesus. Verse 14. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word that is sown in them, this path. The sower didn't do that on purpose, but the seeds have fallen on the path. That path has been walked over and over and over again and packed so hard that nothing can penetrate. It's like concrete. This is the person, verses 13 and 14, this is the person that rejects the gospel. This is the person that actually hears it, understands what you're saying, and says, I don't want that. That, that the gospel, like the seed hitting that path, just sort of bounces off their hearts. Their, their belief is so, their unbelief, their unbelief is so settled that they are just unaffected. It's not that they're mean, they're just not affected. So hard that the seed of the gospel won't penetrate. If you've ever planted grass and you put it in the spreader and you walk by and make the lines and seeds go everywhere and sometimes it'll land out on the driveway on the concrete. That grass seed will just lay there on the concrete finally a bird comes by and get it. This is what Jesus said. That's what Satan does with the gospel that lays there on the heart, the hard heart. After rejecting it for a while, it just comes by and it's gone. Nothing wrong with the sower. Nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is very good. Nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the way that, that it was sown. Nothing wrong with the message. There's just deadness. It's the, it's the soil, you see. All of us here know people like this. They're just hard to it. So what do we do then? What do we, how do we approach someone like that? I'll give you two things. One, we, one, we pray. So we pray for softening and we're prepared to share. We pray for softening and we're prepared to share. And oftentimes in the providence of God, what does God do? God brings about events. When the soil is so hard, events can till up the hard ground. You ever ran a tiller on a hard clay ground and it takes a little bit of like running a jackhammer and those tines roll over and roll over. Finally, they dig in and it softens up the ground. It takes sometimes an event. Sometimes it's a tragedy. Sometimes it's... Sometimes it's being such a bad car wreck. People walk away from it and think, how did he survive that? And it jolts the person. The, finally, the ground is tilled up. Sometimes it's something good. The birth of a child or some sort of miraculous survival from a terrible disease. Sometimes it's a near-death experience and the ground is tilled up. And now the, the seed, we've got to be prepared to share. The seed of the gospel. So we live in prayer and Stand prepared, but a hard heart is disheartening. Let's go to the third point and the second soil. Here's a third point, number three. A shallow heart 
is really common. This is going to sound real familiar. So the parable is in verses 5 and 6, and then Jesus' explanation is in verse 16 and 17. Let me read it for you. 5 and 6. Here's the parable. Other seed fell on the rocky ground. Rocky ground. Where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 16 and 17. What does Jesus say about it? These are the ones sown on the rocky ground, and the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the one that we see far too often. This is the one... This is the category that's broad. This is the category that results in inflated church roles and, and, and lost members. This is the story of somebody that sort of just fell out of the habit of going to church because that's actually what they thought of Christianity, that it was just a habit. Like biting your fingernails. This, this, is, the, this is the broad section of people that at some point displayed some sort of reaction, some sort of change, that they identified in some way with the church, maybe even had some kind of dramatic experience, and, and yet didn't count on the cost. This is partly why, in my estimation, this is partly why we see a decline in church attendance in a lot of gospel churches. Jesus explains the category with me in verse 17. Join me there, verse 17. Notice what he says. They have no root in themselves. They're there for a while when everything's going okay, but when tribulation and persecution... Now, this is not just going through a hard time... This is tribulation and persecution that arises on account of the word. When that happens, they apostatize is the word. They, they fall away. Verse 16, here's what this, Jesus says. I mean, they heard the word. They heard it and immediately they, they, it looked like they were really believers. So hard to tell sometimes this emotionalism. Or, or if you grow up in a church culture, you grow up in, in a place where the Bible is taught, you, sometimes if you're not careful, you can get inoculated with the gospel and therefore you never actually get the gospel. I mean, church can be attractive. You get to know people, you have friends. You might even think, I, I want to live like that. I'm trying to be a good person. I want to help others. Maybe you're conservative in your approach to politics, in your views of how life is done, but there's never been. I mean, the idea of a radical commitment to Christ and his kingdom is, is, feels foreign to you. You understand that this is where biblical Christianity is running headlong into a collision with America. Biblical Christianity running headlong into a collision with American 
cultural Christianity. I mean, you can't, you can't live without, you can't really live, go to the store without feeling like you're compromising. I saw this morning or maybe last night where the store Target is selling just some of the foulest things, promoting the LGBTQ. I mean, in, in a foul, even, they even claim a satanic way. You can look it up later. I'm not going to talk about it in church except to say you can't boycott everybody. I mean, you, can't, you feel like it just, it's all around you. Jesus is explaining here that when, when being a Christian starts costing persecution and tribulation because of the word, that's what he says in verse 17, when that happens... When that happens, falsely converted people will fade back into the woodwork. And I mean, it's happening now. It's happening in the world we live in right now. Believing the word of God, if you just, I don't mean a radical, if you're, I don't mean a fire breathing. If you just actually believe the Bible, believing the word of God on the issues of the day has gotten downright dangerous. For some of you, it's cost you even financially. It's cost you a job, maybe cost you socially. It's hard to think about all our kids that are graduating, we'll send them off to school. It's hard to send them off to colleges knowing what some of the curriculum, what the approach is, the worldview. Or, or living in the public school, if you're a, a public school teacher, it's harder and harder, depending on your administration, the things that are expected of you. I mean, surely this is what John talked about. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, John said that they, they went out from us because they were not really of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out because it's plain that they were not of us. Now, I'm not talking about church members. I'm talking about being in Christ or out of Christ. So what do we do to combat this as a church? How do we, no, no system is perfect, but how do we work to make sure that conversion is true? A couple of ways. One is we, we press very hard for true conversions. People join Hickory Grove Baptist Church. We don't just sign a card. We have an intense and significant and long conversation with that person so that there is a clear understanding. So that you understand whether you're in Christ or out of Christ. One of the things we don't do here is spontaneous baptisms. Hickory Grove will baptize around 15 people today between here and Harris Campus. Every single person there has been spoken with to, and talked to a pastor about what it looks like to put your faith by God's grace in the atoning work of Christ and then baptize. We don't say, hey, if you want to be baptized, today, come on. We'll baptize you. I got a swimming pool in my house. Come on, I'll baptize you there. There's not any of that. Why? It's not because we, it's not because we don't want to win people to Christ. It's because we do want to win people to Christ. We want people to have a clear understanding of the atonement. What does it mean to be a Christian? That Jesus died in my place and God received that as the payment for my sin and now receives me as a child of God. That's why we press for genuine discipleship so that 
you're part of a community group that, that then builds into a, a D group, discipleship group, where you, people are getting to know you and you're walking with God and learning the Bible. It's why we have a, 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 a word, a, a Bible-centric ministry for our students and for our children that is driven not by entertainment, but by getting as much Bible into their hearts as we possibly can so that when the seed is planted, the nutrients are rich and it's germinated and bears much fruit. You see, the heart of true faith produces lasting fruit. I had two bad souls, a hard path, and then that rocky soil with a thin top soil. There's one more bad soil left. Here's point number four. It's a smothered heart, and a smothered, a smothered heart is confusing. It's confusing. Let's see what Jesus says in verse 7, the parable itself, and then the explanation in verses 18 and 19. Verse 7. <clears throat> Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. He explains it down here. Verse, verse 18, 18 and 19. <clears throat> And others are the ones sown among thorns, and they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is a very confusing. It's, it's confusing because this, there's nothing wrong with the soil. It's not hard packed. It's not rocky. Soil's fine. In fact, other plants are growing there. The weeds and the thorns are growing there. We even know that weeds grow fast. We might say about a kid that's growing, she's growing like a wheat. Weeds grow faster, take up the nutrients of the soil, of the good seed that is there. Not only that, they grow over, block out the sun, take up the nutrients, and look at the three things in verse 19 that Jesus says kills the word. Three things he gives us in verse 19. First one is, he says, it's the, that, that word is choked out. Verse 19, about the cares of the world. The cares, the, 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 the stresses, the concerns, the anxieties that life brings, the, the challenges of living during this age, getting the bills paid, taking care of the children, making sure they're okay, getting them everywhere they need to be, the people in your life going through a terrible divorce, surviving that divorce, situation at at work, the busyness that comes. You never thought you would be this busy. This, the, the cares of the world. Trying to make sure that your, your, your children are successful in what they're doing. Want them to be happy and successful and healthy. And then the, the dramatic issues that come with all of that. Or, or if you're single, you're fighting off some of the loneliness that goes with that. Or finding community. The cares. And what happens is they start to overrun what should be the most vibrant relationship you have. The cares of the world. Are, and Jesus gives us another one in verse 19. He says there's another thing that chokes out the word. It's the deceitfulness of riches. It's deceiving because riches don't make you happy. And this, look, this, is, this, hits, this hits wealthy and poor alike. Poor and trying to work all the time and to get, to get money and it's deceitful because you think if I just get one more, trying to make ends meet, or, 
Or if you happen to be blessed with, with earthly goods, so many more goods become so many more distractions. You've got to keep it all up. And then in verse 19, he gives us a catchphrase, a catchphrase. One last one, it's a catch-all phrase. He says it's the desire for other things. It, it's, 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 it's idolatry. What happens is when Christ is to be the center and that which drives your life, it's other things. You've heard it. I mean, people might even say, church really just isn't doing it for me anymore. If you can say church is not really doing it for me anymore, what you had was the shadow and not the substance. If, if, if all you have is the shadow, then all of those things just sort of take you away from God. And if that's the case, you realize that you never actually knew Christ. That whatever happened to you wasn't really a saving belief in Jesus you didn't trust that Jesus died on the cross for you. Even if you said that, and it's so confusing. And at the end of verse 19, Jesus says, there's no fruit there. That's not you, is it? Do you know someone that just sort of faded? I mean, maybe even a really good, good family just sort of faded. This is a good parable to, to pray over, maybe even to read to that person. To, to, to hear the word. If you go through Jesus' explanation of, of the parables, there's, there's some commonality. Those on the path, hard path in verse 15, when they hear. Verse 16, those the rocky soil, when they hear the word. Verse 18, the thorny ground, when they hear the word. And you contrast that with the one good soil that Jesus teaches about. It's the last point. That is a full heart. A full heart is fruitful. The parable is verse 8. The explanation of verse 20. Let me read you the parable first. <clears throat> Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding, 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundred-fold. The explanation across the page in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, just like all the other soils, hear the word, what's the difference? And accept it. Bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundred-fold. To hear the word, and your Bible might say, and they received it. What does that word mean? It means to, to take hold of and trust, to believe, to put your faith in. And when you do that, when you actually trust and believe in Jesus and Jesus alone, when you take hold of the fact that he died on the cross for you, that God raised him from the dead, and that can be yours, something supernatural happens. Jesus says, verse 20. Verse 20, the whole parable is driving to verse 20. A 30-fold and, 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 and 60-fold and even a 100-fold. All the groups, all the four groups heard 
the message. Three of them had varying degrees of a failed response. Only one, only one shows life, shows fruit that remains. Today in your hearing, today in your hearing, the word of God has been sown. You have heard it. Now, by God's grace, I'm asking you to receive it. You see, a heart of true faith produces lasting fruit. This morning, as we close our time of reading the Bible with prayer, would you join me with your heads bowed this morning? Just in a moment of prayer. With your head bowed this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray and ask God to save you. Ask God to save you according to the gospel that you've heard. Tell God that you're a sinner and you need Jesus to save you. To not just hear, but but the, the good soil accepts to receive Let the gospel drop into your soul and believe the perfect life, the atoning death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and today be saved. Praying that God will do that in you. We're going to sing a song, and as we do, it's a song of worship, but it's it's also a song of invitation. There are pastors all around in our sanctuary this morning. I'll be down here at the front. There also will be pastors out in the lobby. When church is over, if you've given your life to Jesus, it's time to talk about it and take the steps to bearing fruit. We want to talk with you about that. If God has spoken to your heart and you are ready to respond, we'll invite you to come forward or find us after church. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would now take the word and plant it deep into the good soul of human hearts. We pray it would bear fruit. Make us a church that produces fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.